Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back to the Sling the Biscuit podcast. The new Sling the Biscuit podcast is going to be episode 23. It is a balmy, snowy day in Vancouver. Joined by my amazing co-host, he punches in bunches. He's hustling and bustling out in the city of Winnipeg, the number one morning show in Winnipeg Radio. Mr. Dave Wheeler, how are you, my friend? The Michael Jordan episode. <laughs> what do you mean? Number 23. Oh, 23. Gee, math. Not, not good as <laughs> Keep math. up, man. Keep up. Dash one. Dash one. Off the glass. Did I tell you I didn't graduate university or no? No, you mentioned that. You mentioned that. As it stands, I have an associate's degree in communications, which means I only finished two out of the four years. Okay. Yeah, so I'm at the associate's degree as well. There you go. There you go. So you have an associate's degree. Don't say you didn't graduate. Say, I got an associate's degree. It's all in the presentation. Actually, I just finished watching Catch Me If You Can with Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. By the way, Amy Adams is in that. Uh, Chelsea Handler's in that. I think Renee Zellweger's in that. Martin Sheen's in that. Great classic film from the early 2000s. If you haven't seen it, put it on your watch list this, uh, this new year. It's worth it. You know, I was actually uh, I was listening to uh, the Titanic Collector's Edition uh, with the whole James Cameron narration not too long ago because it's the 25-year anniversary of Titanic coming out, which kind of makes me feel a bit old. But anyway, so James Cameron narrates the whole thing. And mm. at, towards the end, when, when Rose dies or, or whatever the ending is, he said, so people want to know, did she die in her sleep or did she just have a dream? And he said, we left that open to you to decide, but the real fans of the movie know what happened. And it's like, what a cliffhanger. Well, the one that I saw on that is that people were more concerned about whether or not Jack and Rose could survive on that door after the Titanic sank with Jack hanging 90% with just his chin and his arms up on the door and Rose floating on the door. And so they actually went to Mythbusters to figure it out, and it stands true. Only one of them could have survived. Really? Yeah. I have to be very careful how I word this because I... Sorry, that should have been a spoiler alert. <laughs> By the way, Jack dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I have to be very careful on how I word this. I want to give a friendly reminder. I have the greatest girl from the world. I'm in her apartment right now recording. If you're on the YouTube video version, you can see it. If you're in the audio version, maybe you can hear it. Very lovely. Very festive. Thank you. The Merry Christmas pillow is right here, so... Shout out to Honey. Yeah, you got time, to take those, t- time to take those down. It's, uh, it's after the new year. Yes, sir. Um, but I was going to say, in uh, my previous um, dating endeavors when I was single, the tagline on Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge of, was there enough room for Jack to fit in the door? It just casting the bait out in the water, reeling in the fishing hook. It, it surprisingly works very well. So if, if anybody's... Too heavy. Too heavy? Too heavy. What do you mean? Too heavy. The door when it went down. That was the whole idea. Only one of them could have survived. No, no, but, but it gets conversation going. You put that out there in your dating bio, and then people will respond and be like, well, there was room. Well, no, there wasn't. And then you start the conversation, you break the ice. Well, that is a good icebreaker. Uh, how much does a polar bear weigh? Enough to break the ice. There you go. There you go. <laughs> See, now you're keeping up. Not my first rodeo. Uh, speaking of rodeos, uh, I just want to say to, to everybody who's been you know, listening to the podcast, I feel, like, I feel like a broken record. We say it every single week. But the audio downloads on Apple and Spotify, Google Podcasts have been through the roof lately. The, the YouTube version has been crushing it. The, the video version of the podcast ever since Dave came back, or, or didn't come back, but Dave joined the podcast. Um, the Ian White episode from, uh, I guess, two weeks ago, that hasn't um, gone up at the time of us recording. This is a pre-recorded episode. Um, we'll tell you why in a second. But uh, the response to the podcast lately has been incredible. It's been insane. And I would just want to say thank you to everybody for, I mean, like the podcast is averaging like 10,000 listens an episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, month. yeah, which, which brings me to my point. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. But unless your thumbs are broken, uh, leave a review. I mean, come on. Is it really that hard? You like this podcast? It's not like you're paying for it. 
It's true. I'll take this a couple. I'll take this a couple. And you're done. That's it. That's all we ask. Rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple. Thank you. Yes, please. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a little review. Uh, YouTube version, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you uh, if you really enjoy the podcast, there's a Patreon page to support the podcast. It's a free podcast, so you don't have to. But if you uh, if you feel so inclined, we would we would love to have you as a part of the Patreon page. But um, yeah, the the Ian White episode. I'm I'm curious because obviously you weren't on the episode, Dave. What did you What did you make? No, of it? I wasn't. I watched it though. And keep in mind, I've got a uh, I, I've known Ian White for a long time. My wife and his ex wife were actually friends once upon a time so i've got a few different connections to ian white and uh always been a good guy never never been a bad guy to me it was um a lot of the stories that he told i was familiar with but to hear it from the horse's mouth not calling ian white uh, a horse although he was a workhorse um it was um it was just very open and honest so if you haven't checked out that episode yet i i i implore you to go back and have a listen to it um well, another thing worth mentioning too. So there, apparently there was um like a W five or an F five documentary by TSN um, on his family and, and the, um, I guess chronicling like his addictions and and his arrests and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't find out about it until like maybe like two weeks ago, like like day or two after the podcast went live. And I'm almost kind of glad that I I didn't listen to it because I I listened to the 15 minute little short film and it it kind of made me mad because it was so like one sided towards the one side of the story. And I just thought like why isn't Ian a part of the documentary? about Ian White. Why isn't Ian's family a part of it about, um, you know, Ian White? So um, I'm glad that, you know, Whitey was nice enough to, like, trust me to share that conversation with, with the world and, and, you know, his struggles and his adversity coming from, you know, the top of the, the Hockey Mountain with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings to the Fedzino, uh, overcoming addiction, arrests, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I wish that, I mean, I know Dave and I are on the exact same page on this, but I wish the mainstream media would, would give him a chance on that kind of stuff and not try to, like, sandbag the guy. I think he's a great guy. I, I've had the privilege of sitting beside him in a locker room for, well, not anymore because I'm, I'm done for the season with a hip injury, but um, for, for the two months that I sat beside him in the locker room, like, the amount of conversations we shared that I really enjoyed, a, a great human being, um, always there to help you if you ever need anything. And on, on top of that, too, I was kind of surprised because I, I got a lot of messages from guys on the team after the episode went up saying, I've never heard Whitey talk about this stuff, and I'm like, am I the only one who talks to him? Like, am I the only one where he like tells this kind of stuff to? I'm like, well, you got to keep in mind he's a little intimidating, right? I mean, this is a guy that played over 500 games in the NHL. I mean, he played with Nick Lidstrom. Nick Lidstrom. I mean, how do you talk to a guy like that if you're a guy who's kind of like, oh, I'm playing professional hockey for the first time. Oh my God, there's Ian White. Oh, where do I look? Oh boy. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, he's an intimidating guy. No, no. Regardless of what industry you're in, whether it be sales, whether it be entertainment, when you have somebody like that, it, 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 I mean, how do you relate to that person? You don't have the same experience. You don't have the same uh, tenure. You, know, you just, it's intimidating, regardless of who you are. I think um, the icebreaker that I had when, when him and I had, like, first met, had a conversation. He, he brought his stuff in. He still had a Detroit Red Wings bag. He sits in the room, sits beside me, and he looks at me. And, and I guess a lot of the guys hadn't introduced themselves yet. And instead of, you know, hey, Travis Ridge, nice to meet you. Looking forward to playing with you. I shook his hand. I looked him in the eye. And I think the first thing I said to him was, did you hear about the new mayor we have in town? And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, Winnipeg, we just got a new mayor. Didn't you hear about that? And then started a whole conversation down a whole rabbit hole. And, and that's kind of how we... Uh, started, I guess, building that friendship. Well, it's funny. Just to give you an indication of why that was probably the best approach, I've had the honor and pleasure of meeting Dave Grohl, who is, uh, I know, the drummer of your favorite band, Nirvana, and the uh, front man of my favorite band, the Foo Fighters. He um, he and I got a chance to meet. The first time I met him, I didn't interview him. I was actually just part of a media kind of meet and greet 
at uh, MTS Center, which was named at the time in downtown Winnipeg. And I had this vinyl of In Your Honor, which had just been released. I had this vinyl that I wanted him to sign. And I had all these questions. I'm like, okay, just pick one question. Just pick one question. Just one question. Just pick one question and make sure it's good. And when he came up, everything went away. And I noticed that he had had gotten his tattoos filled in. And I was a fan of tattoos at the time. And I said, holy shit, you got your tattoos filled in. And he says, yeah, you you have no idea how poorly red ink reacts to the skin. And then we got into just a regular human being conversation about two guys who really enjoy tattoos. And my question was gone. And I walked away. He shook my hand. He's like, hey, man, really good talking to you. And the next time we met, he goes, you're the tattoo guy. And so, again, instead of being like, hey, I got a fangirl question for you, Dave Grohl. Um, When you play your Gibson and compared to your old strip, I mean, it didn't matter. It was just one of those like, hey, did you hear we have a new mayor? And it's like, oh. You've disarmed me a little bit. I don't have to be that guy that has to tell you about my 500 career games in the NHL. It was just, here's something we have in common. I don't think I cared about that, to be honest with you. Like, 500 games in the NHL. Like, I remember watching him on Hockey Night in Canada when I was, like, 8, 9, 10 years old. And I thought it was cool, like, seeing that then to now, like, I sit beside the guy in the locker room. But I think I just looked at it like, he's from Winnipeg. I'm from Winnipeg. I, at the time of recording the podcast, I thought we were both cancers. Turned out I didn't do my research and he was a Gemini, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> goes to show you how much research I do before we record. Um, but yeah, shared lots of conversations. And the thing too that I found was that I'd say three quarters of all the things that he shared on the podcast episode, I'd already heard before. He told me in the locker room, at coffee, at you know team lunch. I've, I've heard all these stories before, but they were probably just as well-spoken, if not better, on the podcast version, I think he, he primed himself up a little bit before we started going. Um, but when, when we met up that night, he says to me, he's like, I'm going to need about 40 minutes to explain the meat and potatoes of it. And I said, really? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, trust me. I, I got this dialed. And like, he was ready to roll. He was dialed. And it was, uh, it, was, it was a fun story to share with him. Let's take a quick break. Is real music dying? What even is real music? And who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird, and the deep questions, and we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in, and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, no kidding. I um, I I wish more players, regardless of what league they were playing in, would be more open and honest with their trials and tribulations that they deal with off the ice. Because more often than not, more guys do. Well, like you said a couple episodes ago, more money, more problems, right? Exactly. It's a problem I'd like to try. <laughs> when you have more money, you get a pair of sheath underwear, which brings us to our amazing presenting sponsor, the folks at sheathunderwear.com, and we'll tell you about it. So if you are in uh, the market for a new pair of underwear, it's the new year. Maybe your missus didn't get you what you wanted for Christmas. Maybe you don't have a missus. Maybe your family hates you. Well, guess what? We got a great solution for you. You take the, the bull by the horns, you put the power back into your hands, and you pick up a pair of sheath underwear, and here's why. Sheath have pioneered the dual pouch technology. It's a segregated, separated compartment for your dick and your balls, they go into two different compartments. They're aerated. They breathe. They're going to feel comfortable. They're not going to stick to the side of your leg. And that sound effect that Dave loves that I do so much, 
that's not going to happen no more. They're going to be compartmentalized. You're going to be feeling great. I just did a whole little saunter around downtown Vancouver earlier this morning, and my sheath underwear kept me feeling cool, kept me feeling comfortable. Even though I was sweating like a hooker in church, I felt great, and you can too. You're going to go to the sheathunderwear.com. You're going to use the code BISCUIT69, B-I-Z-K-I-T, 69. It's going to get you 20% off. That is linked in the video description on the YouTube video version, as well as the podcasting notes on Apple and Spotify. That 20% off is going to get you the best Underwear money can buy the bamboo mesh technology, keeping you cool, keeping you aerated. It's fantastic. I love this shirt that I got. I wish they did like long sleeve shirts or something new because I keep wearing the same shirt every podcast. And I think people think that I just don't own anything else. And yeah, let me tell you a quick story. There's a there's a song playing in uh, contemporary hit radio top 40 right now uh, by an artist called Jax. And they're kind of like a very poppy punk band. And they do a song called Victoria's Secret. And there's a line in the song called I know Victoria's Secret. It was created by a dude who lives in Ohio taking advantage of young women. All right? So the idea is is that, whoa, women's underwear was created by a man? Sheath underwear was created by a U.S. Marine, guy that has to wear the same stuff over and over. So if you're wearing it on the day, it's going to work well for you. I promise. Yeah, you don't have to go to Af- Afghanistan. You don't have to go to Iraq and serve your country and wear the same pair of gitch six months, six weeks in a row. You can be a normal Joe. You get a pair of sheath underwear. You're going to love it. And we uh, we love it here at Sling the Biscuit Podcast, and we know you will too in the new year. Good transition. Well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, on to uh, some more, I guess, relevant stuff. So uh, as we mentioned earlier, the podcast is pre-recorded. reason being. So this is going to be going up, I believe, January 8th of 2023. Um, so my hip surgery that we've been you know talking about lately over the last couple episodes is January 4th. Um, and according to the information that the, the surgeon and the, the surgeon's office, so it's already me, happened. You're looking, you're looking good. Wow, <laughs> this is impressive. This, this uh, is a, magic, a pre-surgery. The magic of podcasting. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit out of it. Well, I, I should be out of it, pretty whacked out uh, at this point in time in the surgery. So me and Dave figured instead of you know trying to do a you know podcast when I'm whacked out, we'll do a pre-recorded episode. We'll get it up. We'll get it done. I could focus on on getting healthy. And uh, we'll come back with you for a, a live up-to-date podcast the week after when I'm back here in Vancouver. Um, a couple things that I wanted to talk about, and I know the comment section kind of went crazy the past couple of episodes about us about this. Um, people were asking why uh, did I try to do the or try to play the season when I knew um, towards the end of summer that this was the way things were going to be. And if you're joining the podcast new, I've had hip issues for for years. I think I got diagnosed with the the camp hip specifically in 2016. Um, but around when I went to Sweden for the first time, the knee issue started to become very prevalent. So this would have been like late 2020, uh, early 2021. Um, and, and this knee issue came just for a brief period of time in, uh, 2019 when I was with the Columbus river dragons in the fed, that was the knee injury that I talk about in the vlogs. It came after that, it went away and it didn't come back until end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And the knee injury itself was just like this, like pulling feeling of like, somebody's like pulling something through my knee and when, when it gets like chronically bad, like, I can't do a butterfly. I can't do any like actual goaltending stuff. I can skate on my feet all day, but I can't do any like actual goaltending in 2022. And so that is a result of compensating from the hip that we've talked about. And the only thing that's fixed it over the last 12 months is steroids, cortisone. And so if you've seen any videos on you know my vlog channel in the last year of me skating, it's because I'm on steroids. If anything before that was not. So... When I met with the hip surgeon specialist uh, in end of June, we did the x-rays, the MRIs, all that kind of stuff. And he says, listen, like the cam hip's bad. It's not the worst I've ever seen, but it's pretty up there. You need surgery to fix the actual root problem because this is going to continue to happening. And I said, well, 
I hate to break it to you, Doc, but I'm, I just finished playing in Europe. I'm trying to get my foot in the door in North America. I just got an opportunity with a team that I probably didn't deserve at the time. Uh, if I call it quits in the season before it even starts, I am hooped, and I'm not going to have anywhere to play this season, and it's going to be really hard next year. I need to do something, at least for the first half of this season, and then we can kind of go from there. And so I said, I'm going to go with cortisone. I got cortisone injection in August. Didn't really work. It wasn't super effective, so I got a, a you know a third dose in uh, September because the first one was from January. First dose was in January of 2021, or sorry, 2022. Uh, and so that got me into the season. It got me in the door. Had no problems for October. Got my first start in or first game in Watertown when I came in relief. We got the win. Uh, the little appearance in Port Huron for a short period of time. But the problem with cortisone is the steroids themselves are a band aid. It only like temporary fixes the problem, and when they wear off, you're we're right back to where we were before. So although October was great and pain-free, as we talked about you know, an episode or two ago, that road trip in Binghamton when coach told us you get 15 minutes to get on the ice after a 12-hour bus ride, that really set the knee issues off. And it kind of went downhill from there to, as you've seen in the vlog recently, to the point where I'm just like grimacing. I, I can't do a butterfly and I can't do goaltending. So I had to come clean to the team and say, hey, I need hip surgery. I need to actually fix the problem or like I can't play because at this moment of time, I'm done hockey. I, I can't do it anymore. And so that is where we are at today. The hip surgery will obviously already have happened by the time you're listening to this, but I'm going to be honest, I'm very um, very nervous, very overwhelmed. I, I watched a video the other day on what exactly they're going to do to me, but the, punching the four holes in my hip, throwing in rods, cameras, it, it's very, like, I don't do very well with that kind of stuff, like uh, inside the body. Um, very, uh, very scary stuff. I'm curious if you got any thoughts on that, Dave. Oh, my goodness, have I got thoughts. Now, listen, I will say that I have a lot of downtime, a lot like a professional hockey player. After morning practice, you have the rest of the day to do yourself. So uh, after my morning show, I have nothing but to spend time with my family and do a lot of reading, and I've done some reading. I've done some reading. And here's what I suggest. If there's any way you can avoid flying back to Vancouver from Winnipeg, uh, you should probably do that if you can hitch a ride with somebody because – the altitude that you're going to be at is going to prolong your recovery. So is there any way you can jump on a train? Is there any way you can jump in a vehicle? That is going to do you favors as far as your recovery time because you, especially how quickly you're planning on flying after your surgery, eh, they actually don't recommend that you fly for three months after your hip surgery. Yeah, so uh, the surgery is on the 4th. I was originally going to fly back on the 8th back to Vancouver with my uh, beautiful That's girlfriend. That's not three months. <laughs> with my beautiful girlfriend who's making lunch right now is uh, going to be taking care of me. Um, but I ended up just kind of humming and hawing things over and saying that, you know, like this is a very important time, especially right after the surgery. I got the whole pamphlet of what to do and what not to do. And so I ended up deciding instead of um, you know, flying, I tried calling Air Canada. They, they won't make any real accommodations. They won't put me in an emergency exit role because they literally said to me, like, sir, you are a liability. We can't have you in the emergency exit row because you can't help anybody. So I can't so I can't get a leg space. They won't give me two seats for the price of one. So they're making no accommodations at all outside of it. They said, we'll have somebody carry your bags for you. And I was like, well, that's great. But I, ha- I just had hip surgery. I don't, I don't need my bags taken care of. I don't have any bags. I need my hip taken care of. So what I did instead, um, so I booked a birth ticket on the VRO Canadian, the train. If, if you've watched my vlogs, you know, I, I'm obsessed with trains. I have this love for trains. I don't know why, but I do. And so um, I'm going to be taking the train from Winnipeg to Vancouver in a berth, which is like a, a seat slash bed. It's like a cheaper version of a cabin. I reached out to Via a couple of days ago, and they said that uh, if I provide documentation from our from my surgeon in the doctor's office, they're actually going to give me a, a private cabin free on the house for the price that I paid for the birth ticket. 
Um, now, I've, I've submitted all the documentation at this point in time. I don't know if it's actually going to go through, but uh, I paid uh, half off on the uh, berth. So I paid, I think, 450 bucks for the berth. Uh, so I'm going to get a $3,000 private cabin for the price of a $450 berth, meals included, three meals a day for two and a half days. I'm going to get a private bed. I get to carry my cooling ice machine to keep you know wow. all the stuff running through my hip. It's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Um, and, and I will say, the comfort traveling by train and the feeling of being in a, a cooler, uh, or sorry, in a, in a heated cabin car, and you feel the, the cold feeling against the window, like it's a glass window with the outside minus 30, 40 barren wasteland of the prairies with the mm-hmm. heated side paneling. It's a very comforting feeling. You get a nice hot cup of joe in there. I'm looking forward to it. Really am. Do you have Do you have anyone to be your spotter along the way? Because that's not a overnight trip. Uh, no. So uh, they said uh, the via accessibility line. I'm going to give them a call, and they're going to get the uh, the wheelchair ramp for me. They're going to get. They're basically going to roll the red carpet uh, for me because I mean, technically speaking, I am handicapped, not permanently, but temporarily. Uh, they're going to lift me up on the train. They're going to escort me to my cabin slash seat. Um, they're going to give me all the ice that I need for the cooling machine. It's going to be a really good, hopefully, really good experience. Then I can lay flat the entire time. I don't have to sit in the chair and hurt my hip. And then we'll get to Vancouver, and uh, I get to have my lovely girlfriend take care of me, who's buttering Amazing. her toast right now. <laughs> um, uh, why is she buttering your toast? <laughs> that's a good mm. question. We should ask her. Um, that's uh, that's. I, I I wish I I wish I had the time to jump on the train with you because uh, no one loves a good train ride more than me, and especially uh, out to the west coast. But if there's any way, if there's anyone listening to the podcast right now that has some time to kill, that can jump on a train to help, even if you're a medical professional, RNs would be more than accepted. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I've been on the train. Probably five or six different times doing the cross Canadian Railway. Yeah, the past not two with years. a busted hip. That's very true. But I've also been in economy class every single time because I'm a peasant, and you just sit in the chair for two and a half, three days. But now they're gonna, you know, take care of me. It's, it's uh, I, I don't encourage anybody doing it, but uh, being temporarily disabled does have its perks, I guess, in this specific scenario. I wish you the best of luck, sir. I honestly do. I mean, listen, in the grand scheme of things, none of this is gonna be easy. You're gonna be thinking to yourself. Oh, why did I take a train? If you were on a plane, oh, why did I take a plane? If you drove, why did I drive? None of it is going to be easy, but I think the best option out of the three is the train. I agree. And I think, too, like, like I'd consider myself a very seasoned travel vet. I mean, I've traveled to every province in Canada. I've been to half the states. I've, I've been to Europe and back. I've taken the train. I've, I've taken almost every form of transportation out there. And I'm, I'm very big on the, uh, the journey, not the destination. So two and a half days to relax get my mind in a very peaceful Zen spot when I just had, you know, knives and cameras and everything going on on my hip a week before. I think we'll, be, we'll go a long way for setting the tone for a, a very positive, good recovery and get me on the ice. End of June, beginning of July, full tilt for the start of next season. And I know Mr. Wheeler, you're going to be with me doing the podcast the whole way. And hopefully uh, everybody from the Fed Zeno will, will be waiting for me next season or wherever I may end up. Any update on uh, how much footage we're going to get from that surgery? So they have to legally record everything. Uh, I was told by the surgeon that we will record something. He wouldn't tell me what, uh, but he said we could work something out as far as getting footage and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm very curious to see uh, some footage of me after the anesthesia wears off and I I wake up and I'm totally whacked out. You can probably ask me some really interesting things and give you some interesting answers, but yeah. I'm sure that everyone listening or watching this podcast would love to be inside of Travis Bridgen. (laughs) Careful, careful. (laughs) 
What else you got for me today, man? What else you got? Well, we got some Fed Zeno stuff to talk about. Um, so, Do it. Uh, we talked about last week uh, how uh, Motor City opted to, I guess, not pay me for the remainder of the season after what we talked about. Um, so, if you're new to the podcast, you're just recently joining us. Um, when I told the team that I was done for the season, they said, "Hey, we're going to pay you for the rest of the season. Appreciate the honesty. Thank you for your hard work." Uh, I guess being a team player, we're going to pay your contract for the rest of the season. Granted, it's peanuts in the grand scheme of things. It's 125 US a week. That's going to be like six fifty, six sixty Canadian a month. It's not a lot, but when beats collecting bottles, it's it does it does beat collecting cans in the state of Michigan and bringing them back to the Kroger Recycling Depot. But as small as it is, it, it does mean a lot that the team actually has something invested in me. Um, unfortunately, the day before I left. Uh, the team informed me that they had changed their mind and they're not going to be paying me uh, for the remainder of the season at all, um, which, like I mentioned, I was kind of conflicted about because they put me on season-ending injury reserve, which means I'm done for the season and they retain my rights. But if you want to retain my rights, you, you should be paying me because you can't mm-hmm. hold my rights and not pay me. That's another discussion for another day, maybe when my rights get released. But uh, there were actually a bunch of players that reached out about stuff like that. And, and this is one of the points that I want to make for, for today's headliner was just why the Fed has such a high turnover rate. And specifically, Minor Pro has such a high turnover rate. Because I think when you see guys play two, three, maybe even four years in the Fed or the SP or like in those minor uh, pro league levels, you see you see guys become really, really ugly people. Just guys have been scratching and clawing out their way for 125 150 175 bucks a week. They're not making the progress they wanted. I have an ego. Everybody has an ego. You don't play hockey because you're a, you know, a type A. You're a type A, or sorry, a type B. You're a type A alpha male. You, you want to you wanna succeed. You want to do better. And when you're not seeing those, those, that success, it's a, it's a big blow to the ego. Like, like this season, man. Like I, I didn't even start one game. I made two appearances. That's a huge blow to my ego because I wanted to play and I thought that I could do it. But when you, when you have that happen for two or three years, guys become kind of ugly. And it's why there's such a high turnover rate. But on top of that, now, I, I want to preface this by saying I mean this in the nicest of ways possible. But my experience in, in Columbus three years ago, I remember um, the assistant coach at the time, Gary Gill. It was him and um, uh, Boom Boom uh, was the, the head coach in Columbus. That was his name. Jeffrey on? No, no, no. Not Boom Boom Jeffrey on. I, I can't remember his real name, but uh, they called him Boom Boom. And Boom Boom. Uh, so uh, Columbus had signed me, talking over the phone. Relax, man. Come out to camp. Everything's going to be good. You're going to be the backup goalie, worst case scenario. No matter what you do, we're here. We're committed. We're interested in you, and we're going to have you here all season. Well, I was there for a week. A uh, guy from the SP dropped down. See you later. That was all it took. Uh, granted, didn't have the greatest of training camps, but don't be telling me that you're going to keep me all season no matter what if you don't plan on doing it. Well, that same Gary Gill is now the head coach with the Binghamton Black Bears, and I got to give a shout-out to my boy Michael Haskins. He was uh, scratched in Binghamton the night that I was you know, backing up. He was bringing me a bunch of snacks and stuff. And so uh, Binghamton cuts Mike or releases him, puts him on waivers. This is probably the October, November. Uh, Gary tells him, hey, stick around. Don't let any teams pick you up. If they call, just decline the call and just hang around. We got to make some room for you on the roster. We got to shuffle the deck a bit, but we're going to keep you around. We're going to pay you. Well, three weeks go by. Gary, what the hell is going on? I'm trying to clear up some room on the roster. Well, no, you're not. So the guy says, I've had enough. He gets signed with the Mississippi Sea Wolves. Now he's now he's succeeding with Mississippi and uh, our, our FPHL legend Joe Pace on the team as well. And on top of that, for the two or three months that he was technically with Binghamton, guy made 250 bucks. Like stuff like this is why there's such a high turnover. Like guys are getting bent over. They're getting taken advantage of. There's no player unions. There's no PAs. There's no agent that's going to call and change things. Like for example... If I have a bone to pick with my team and my agent calls, they're going to say, 
Thank you for your concern, sir. We'll talk about it internally. Never calling him back again. There's nobody enforcing this kind of stuff. When players get treated like that, uh, there's a reason why guys don't want to come back. I'm going to give you, I'm going to go back to uh, Catch Me If You Can, that Leo DiCaprio movie I was telling you off the top of the podcast here. Uh, Very early in the movie, Christopher Walken, who is my uh, wife's fantasy father, uh, goes up on stage and and, and he gives us a speech. And he says, "Uh, two mice fall into a pail of cream and one of them drinks too much and dies. The second one struggled so much and kicked so hard, churned that thing into butter and was able to walk out. Who's standing here right now is mouse number two. Now, there's a lot of guys who will sit there and go, bah, tried my best, didn't make it. There's some guys that will just keep their head down, stash every dollar they have and just keep their nose down and focus and, and, and whatever it takes. I'm not saying it happens every time, but the odd time you get that mouse that churns that cream into butter and are able to crawl up to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've talked about this in the podcast a couple times. At pro hockey, pro hockey is a very glamorized term. People talk, oh, I play professional hockey. It's great. Pro hockey, honest to God, is not about the, the hockey. Anybody can play there. Like the, the SP and the Fed, basically the same league. The, the best Fed teams could probably take out the middle of the pack uh, SP teams. It's that close. East Coast Hockey League, a little bit of a jump, but, but you're within the realm. Like it's not that far away if you really kind of put your mind to it and, and get some bounces going your way. The problem being is that the business side, and when I say business, I mean the things that we just talked about in the last 10 minutes, make guys, even myself included, fall out of love with the game a little bit. And, and it's hard to stay you know, true to your love for the game when you're kind of getting you know, pushed around, you have no leverage, and you're like, well, yeah, yes, sir, can I please have some more? That's just the way that you know, pro hockey goes. Guys get screwed over. I mean, even my, my boy Wes Howerton, a uh, good friend, like good personal friend of mine, he went to Germany this year on a decent little contract. I think he was getting about 1200 bucks a month on the contract. Uh, fast forward to end of November, zero dollars of the contract were paid, and he's like, "What the hell, man? You guys were promising me X amount of dollars. I'm I'm doing well with the team. What's going on?" They said, "Oh, sorry, we can't pay you." Bounced. See you later. Dude went over to Sweden. Now he's having some success and having a good time over in Sweden. Just the minor pro hockey world is a wild world. Guys get screwed over. Um, it's you got to have a strong love for the game. But uh, speaking of uh, of a uh, love for the game of getting. Maybe uh, a few bounces not going your way. You just got to get it out the glass and out. Mr. Dave Wheeler has had 20 years in the Winnipeg radio industry. I'd, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about that briefly. Uh, people ask, and, and we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, your career in radio summed up as quickly as you can and over the last 20 years, the good, the bad, oh. and the ugly. Go. God. All right. Uh, the Reader's Digest version. Uh, eye injury. Wanted to do play-by-play. Uh, started volunteering for the old team I used to play with, doing play-by-play on Shaw TV, which is the local cable access network. From there, applied at the local radio station, started doing overnights and weekends. They wouldn't even let me talk. They just let me push buttons, and they let me talk. And then I got a part-time job with them, and then I got a full-time job with them. Then I went to college for two years. While I was in college, I worked at the Calgary Hitman as their in-house announcer. I also did overnights, uh, so my schedule was school during the day for radio school, overnights, midnight to 6, uh, back to school, game day, I'd have to be at the rink, Overnight shift from midnight to six and then back to school. After I graduated, I got hired to do mornings in Lloydminster, Alberta. Two years there, from there to Winnipeg, working on the legendary Wheeler and Hal morning show. Uh, from there... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wheeler and Hal, how long was that and what station was that at? Seven years, Power 97, uh, the, the, the juggernaut rock station. And uh, used to be. Used to and be. Very, very from, keywords. 
from there after Howe left, I uh, got into a situation not too dissimilar from, from stories in, in hockey. Um, I was coming to the end of my contract, asked for a renegotiation. They said, yeah, 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 we'll talk about it, we'll talk about it. And then I was a month out from uh, not having a contract. And so I reached out to a station going, hey, do you guys have any jobs? I'm not sure if I'm going to get rehired. And they said, would you like to work in Vancouver? And I said, I would love to work in Vancouver. And so we started talking about Vancouver. And the last minute, they pulled the plug and said, all right, I guess I'll just take my chances. And then they said, how would you feel about working across the street in Winnipeg? So that's when I went over to the legendary 92.1 City FM and went to City and worked there for seven years. Uh, Launched a television show, uh, did a four-person morning show. Uh, From there, got very famously fired, was off the air for two years, did a very, very successful podcast uh, through the pandemic with my wife and the Sad Jaguar. From there, got picked up by the uh, mom-and-pop shop Evanoff Radio Group, which is doing great things in radio uh, and have been with them for two and a half years. If you had to take a rough guess, I mean, maybe you can remember, but over the the 20 years, how many versions of Wheeler in the Morning have there been between shuffling different co-hosts with, you know, in and out of the lineup? Kind of like in minor pro hockey. You're in, you're out, you're scratched. It's been 25 years of radio, and there was... Uh, the Goats Morning Breath with Dave Ryan and Jen. The Goats Morning Breath with Jeremy Dodge and Kelsey Moore. Uh, the Goats Morning Breath with Dave and uh, Wheeler and Jeremy. And then it was Wheeler and Howell. And then it was Wheeler in the Morning with Philly and Rena. Then it was Wheeler in the Morning with uh, 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 Rena and Turnbull and, and Kelly Butler. And then it was Wheeler in the Morning with Candace Ray and the Sad Jaguar. And then it was Wheeler After Dark. And then it was Wheeler in the Morning with Tyler Carr and Jasmine Lane. Or Jasmine Lane and Tyler Carr. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. <laughs> and, and no different than working with the, you get traded to a new hockey team. You got to figure out the chemistry of working with new people. All you all you can bring is your skill set, and hope that it works inside of the direction that the, as you said, the company or the business has for their for their lineup. Now, if if you had to guess which of the Wheeler in the Morning lineups do you think you had the quickest chemistry with, and which ones do you think took a little bit while to kind of like manifest that. Uh, the Wheeler and Howl, again, this is specifically for radio people, but the Wheeler and Howl was lightning in a bottle. Uh, we had 15-year gap between the two of us. He was the older one. I was 23. He was uh, he was 38 at the time, and uh, we had seven years together, and it was it was magic. It was absolute lightning in a bottle. It was just we, we just couldn't seem to do anything wrong. Um, most recently, I, I have a team that I work with that um, the chemistry is, is undeniable. Uh, it, it's really good, and now I'm – the 15-year senior. Now I'm the old guy, uh, you know, and, and the tables have turned. So I, I, I turned from mentoree into mentor in a very strange way. But and again, will this be the the last incarnation? I don't know. I'm working with Travis Ridgen right now on a podcast talking hockey. You know, and luckily I've got a bit of a history in hockey, and, and it seems to be working out pretty well right now. But I lean to you as far as being the professional hockey player out of the two of us. I was going to say, too, like the Wheeler and Howell dynamic, as you being the 23 and him being the 38, it's kind of the reverse role on, on this podcast as well. And whether you know the, the Wheeler in the Morning radio show at Energy 106 continues going on, although you are the number one show in the city, I expected to go past your contract in September. But uh, this podcast is doing well, and it's uh, it's been, been fun to do with you, man. It really has been. The, the radio stories, the rock stories that, that you've been able to, to share from Papa Roach, Chad Kroger, all, all those kind of stuff, they've, uh, they've been definitely highlights for me along the way as well. Well, listen, uh, if, uh, speaking of which, I know Sheath Underwear, again, if we can send him another shout-out, if you're 
uh, trust me, from an old guy, a forty-three-year-old dude who uh, needs to take care of his boys a little bit more than the than the than the younger guys. Uh, this this is the underwear for you. We finally have technology for men that allows you to take care of your boys. So uh, at, at least give them a try. At least give them a try, and then email me directly if I'm wrong. Um, but if there's any other sponsors out there, if there's anyone else that thinks I want to get on this ride with Travis and Dave, send us an email. Jump on the Patreon, whatever it may be, because uh, we're going to the top, and we'd like to have you on board. Absolutely. And, and for those wondering, there's been a, a couple people messaging lately uh, about, about Dave, and just so the people know, although uh, my face is on the front of the podcast and covering, by definition, it is my podcast. I want everybody to know that this is our podcast. It's, you know, traveling wheels. Like, we're, we're doing this together, and it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. It's been 10 times more successful than I ever thought it was going to be, and, and it's explosively better than the previous version of the podcast. And like you mentioned, capturing that lightning in a bottle and, and taking it somewhere, it's been exactly that. Man, I listen, I know you're on the precipice of taking a, uh, a major surgery in your life, and this is going to be one of those things that you'll remember for the rest of your life, but um, you're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to come through this, and luckily, luckily, as we've learned from previous podcasts, you have something else to focus on. You have something else to focus on outside of hockey, and that's this podcast, your vlog, and that amazing girlfriend of yours. So use those as your use those as your distractions when you when you go through this recovery because it's it's not going to be quick and don't expect it to be quick. And you're going to have all the people listening to the show sending you DMs and commenting and whatnot. And you're going to have time to respond to all those. So uh, just really take it in stride and don't rush it. Absolutely. And to, to the people that I, I know there's going to be like an overwhelming amount of messages and comments about the hip surgery. Thank you in advance to everybody. May not have a, a time to get to back to everybody right away, but I do plan to. Um, and speaking of, of distractions, I know you mentioned before we started recording today, there was a story I wanted you to tell me. Uh, if you're a rock fan, specifically an alternative rock fan, Godsmack, the band Godsmack, Sully Erna, their lead singer. Well, listen, uh, Sully Erna is uh, the band's from Boston. Okay, and they were playing at a festival in Winnipeg called Rock on the Range. It was held at the old Canadian Stadiums on the Polo Park grounds of of uh, Winnipeg, and there was there were some big bands that were playing. Godsmack was one of the headliners, and Sully Erna, who is the lead singer of the band. I mean, you stand at what six foot five? I stand at six foot two. This guy five seven, maybe five seven, five six. But you see him in these music videos, and you see him on stage, and he just seems like he's got this gruff voice, and, oh, stay away. He's just such a strong presence. And then you meet him, and you're like, hi there, Willow. Nice to meet you, little fella. But it wasn't that, because I, I, I did, unlike you, I did a little bit of research before I interviewed him. Dude is a practicing Wiccan. And if you don't understand what that means, it's he's basically Gandalf. Okay. Like like this dude is a is a wizard. He practices natural earth medicine and spells, and he he does a couple songs on his first record, which talks a lot about about that. And once you we sit down from a from a practicing Wiccan, it gets a little intimidating because you go, oh shit, can this guy see inside my soul? Like does he does he know all of my inner darkest secrets and whatnot? But I'll tell you, he was one of the most Genuine, and that is the honest to goodness truth. Genuine, even when he freaked out and said, "Could someone get me a cigarette?" I mean, it was a very Boston kind of guy. He was just the most. The answers he gave weren't preconditioned. They weren't predisposed. They weren't, you know, like, "Oh, we do this." We do. They they were honest, and I felt like I was getting answers out of him that he wasn't giving anyone else. 
and I've been a fan of Godsmack for a long time. And again, we talked about Papa Roach being one of the hardest working bands. Godsmack's another one of them. And the guy can drum. Man, can he drum. Very, very, very talented. Also, I saw, I saw this TikTok the other day. It was a mashup of uh, what Godsmack is like listening to in about 30 seconds. And it was a montage of all the times Sully is saying, you know, stay away, get away from me. I stand alone. Like just all the, the getaways from me, essentially. It was a funny little mashup, but... Um, songs like uh, well, the, well, well the, the guy understands an energy exchange and when you have that many people coming at you you can't control the energy exchange and that's one thing I gathered from our interview is that he is very specific about who he exchanges his energy with and he expects a reciprocal exchange he's not going to give you everything unless you give him your best it's like in business You're making a trade off right songs like uh, crying like a bitch um Stay away, speak, whatever. All, all great songs. By the way, the, the drum and the bass line and whatever have got to be some of the best, most catchy out there. I remember the first time I heard that one, I was, I was uh, at a, a local market, a food market in Winnipeg, the St. Leon Market, and I, and I heard the dum 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 as I'm like picking up groceries and I'm picking up groceries and like vegetables in the produce section to the tuna whatever by Godsmack. It was, uh, yeah, never forget that one. Uh, so far away. Voodoo. The song Voodoo. If you get a chance, listen to that. Hey, listen, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you about this on this episode, but can we save it for another one? Uh, I understand you had a run-in with the Seattle Kraken goaltender Martin Jones and to the point where you actually were in or saw his penthouse apartment in downtown Van. Is that is that accurate? Uh, bits and pieces. Uh, can I tell it really quickly? It's, it's a very short one. Is, is, is Now, is, is this a long-form story, or can you... It, will it do it justice if you compartmentalize it? It'll it'll do it justice if it's compartmentalized. So okay, um, last story on the pod before we go. Here we go. Okay, uh, so the uh, Martin Jones goaltender for the Seattle Kraken. I was uh, meeting with a uh, trainer, a hockey specific trainer who trains a lot of pros in the Vancouver area. I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he trains Martin Jones. Martin Jones is one of the guys on the wall. Trains him. He's got the jersey, all that kind of stuff. And he says to me the other day, he's like. Did you hear about Martin Jones's penthouse suite apartment in North Vancouver? And I said, no. And he says, Martin Jones, goaltender for the Seattle Kraken, has the nicest, biggest penthouse apartment suite in all of Vancouver. And I said, which one is it? And he says, look up, look for the tallest building, and look for the penthouse suite on top of that building. You can't miss it. So okay. That's got to be on George Street then. Or Georgia Street. That's got to be on Georgia Street. So it's not downtown. It's in North Vancouver. And, and oh. I don't know exactly what street it's on, but I, I walked out of the training center. I looked to my left. And I saw this tall, like, chateau-style building. And it, it, I saw the penthouse suite on top of it, and I thought, Martin Jones has stuff in that, that suite right there, right up in that suite. And then it also made it click in for me that he's in Seattle. That place sits vacant eight months out of the year. I'm not, I'm not giving people incentive to go and try and rob the place, but I'm just saying he's only in there four months out of the year because he's from Vancouver. It's vacant for eight more months out of the year. It must be nice to be in the, you know, be in the National League. you got the nicest penthouse suite. Why didn't suite. you reach out to the guy? Why didn't you surprise your old lady saying, hey, I got us an Airbnb for three months? Yeah, and then we check in. The uh, the police are there escorting us out. So you never actually. I mean, you saw it, but you didn't see it. No, no. Martin Jones is not responding to my text or allowing me up to his uh, penthouse suite apartment. If somebody has a connection and can facilitate that, I would love to do a a tour of his facility. We'll throw it up on TikTok. We'll do it on the, on the podcast. We'll do a little breakdown and. Uh, yeah, it would be exciting. But I'd have to sled or trudge through the the Vancouver snow first to, to get up there. We're going to do that. Best of luck with the surgery, man. Uh, hopefully we're back with another pod on the 15th. Absolutely. So the plan is there will be a podcast uh, next week for January 15th. Um, if complications happen with the surgery, 
There may not be an episode, so if you're waking up on Sunday morning next week and there's no new episode, uh, we're not breaking up. The band is still together. Uh, we're just going to be trying to get the hip surgery done, the, taken care of the proper way, and the podcast will be back as soon as possible. I just want to say thanks to Mr. Wheeler for doing the podcast with him. We're going 23 episodes strong, almost 24. We're, we're going to be coming up on a year by the time the sheath contract's done, so one year of... So the new Sling the Biscuit podcast is exciting. Thank you to everybody for listening on Apple, Spotify, and the video version home here on YouTube. Leave a review if you're on the, the video ver- or the audio versions. Pull over in the car when it's safe to do so. If you're on the video version, hit the like button, subscribe. Check out sheathunderwear.com for the best underwear money can buy. Code BISCUIT69 will get you 20% off. There's a Patreon page, as we mentioned before, if you want to support the podcast in more ways than just watching. And uh, Mr. Wheeler, give us the final word. Take us home here. I would love to celebrate Martin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day next week on the podcast. All right. That good? You can come out now.